Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome in to World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcast. Network. I'm your host, Nate Abarea. Tweet me at NateWST. Love mail and the hate mail that you are so, so good at sending. Get it, all of us, at World Soccer Talk. Check out the website, worldsoccertalk.com. Our guest in this edition of the show, Adrian Healy. That's right, of the worldwide leader in sports, ESPN. Adrian Healy will be with us. We'll talk all about his work with Major League Soccer this past season. Great call on MLS Cup final alongside Taylor Twelman. We'll take a little trip down memory lane with Adrian Healy. Go back to the childhood influences. Talk about when he knew he wanted to be a football commentator. Or is he a soccer commentator? A true English-American. We'll talk with Adrian about which side of the Atlantic he feels more allegiance to these days soccer-wise. Adrian, as many of you know, actually called games for the U.S. men's national team for a number of years uh, in his work for ESPN. And can't wait to take a trip back to one of my favorite U.S. soccer matches of all time. And Adrian was on the call for this one back in October of 2009, the hallowed ground of RFK Stadium in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., USA 2, Costa Rica 2, an often forgotten one in the folklore book of American soccer. Definitely look that one up on the YouTube if you haven't seen it in a while, or you, you're just having a hard time remembering what game I'm talking about. I know all of you Honduran fans remember the game that I'm talking about as Jonathan Bornstein to this day is still a national hero down there in Honduras. Adrian was on the call for that USA 2, Costa Rica 2 match back in October of 2009. Can't wait to take a trip back to that. Shout out to Mongo. Mongo? Mongo like Sheriff. I actually speak of Mongo lookalike John Joe Shelby on his way to Newcastle. John Joe Shelby is going to save the barcodes on Tyneside. Mongo to Newcastle from Swansea for 20 million pounds. John Joe Shelby for 20 million pounds. Come on, John Joe. Go save McLaren's job. Save the barcodes. Keep them up. I'm rooting for them now because they got John Joe. How can you not love John Joe? We're back with Adrian Healy after this right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Listening 
to World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Barea, on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Pretty good. Pretty damn good, lads! Yeah! Hey, welcome back to the radio show, World Soccer Talk Radio, here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Our guest in this edition of the program from ESPN it is Mr. Adrian Healy. Adrian, thank you so much for joining us, sir. How are you doing? Well, thanks for having me, Nate. A pleasure to be here. So what is new for you? You know, I think we're still fresh enough in 2016 to talk about New Year's resolutions and and big things forward in the year. What's new for Adrian Healy here in 2016? Well, I feel like uh, I feel like the year is year is barely started, really, Nate. I mean, uh, 2016 is, is is a year where I look ahead and and have have really. Um, Great thoughts about what what lies ahead for MLS. I have great thoughts about the Euros. I have uh, great thoughts about Copa America. My my thoughts of 2016 are what a fantastic year in soccer it's going to be. Um, and uh, the next, I mean, the next, literally the next game on my schedule is, is the first the first US game of the calendar year, which is uh, against Iceland uh, at the end of January. So a big year for the US national team as well. Um, it's it's uh, just more of the same, rolling right along and, and aiming ever higher. Basically, it's, uh, it's nothing particularly special in terms of New Year's resolutions, mate. But uh, <laughs> but more of the same. You know, I said this on the show the other day. I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed for USA Iceland that Aaron Johansson isn't actually in the, uh, the the squad for this game. I feel like it's the the Aaron Johansson Classic, but USA Iceland will go on down there in Carson at the StubHub Center with Adrian Healy on the call, but no Aaron Johansson in sight. Hey, before we go back, I want to go back to MLS Cup Final and uh, your call alongside Taylor Twelman for that. But I have to ask you: Are the summer plans? up in the air right now as far as Euros, MLS, Copa America? Are you uh, getting a little bit of an idea of where you're actually going to be uh, this summer, Adrian? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're coming together as we speak. I, all I can tell you is it's going to be busy. It's going to be very busy. I can't tell you <laughs> any more than that. But we, 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 yeah, we, we definitely have the Euros. We definitely have a full slate of MLS games. We, we, we have a, you know, Various other things going on too. Um, I, I, I just know the months of, uh, of June, July and August are going to be uh, some of the busiest ever for our, for our network in terms of covering soccer, which is, which is really exciting. You know, um, I love the Euros myself. I mean, it's always been one of my favorite, my favorite competitions to cover. And, uh, I think, I think this summer it, it expanding to 24 teams and being in France, it's just going to be a very, very special summer for it. So, uh, that's just, uh, just part of uh, the picture of uh, what, what lies ahead. Definitely. And let's go back now to December uh, 7th, I believe was the date, about a month ago. MLS Cup final over there in Columbus, Ohio. Talk about your takeaway from not only the match, but, but the entire experience and the, the culmination of, of the 2015 MLS campaign, Adrian. Well, I thought it was it was it was a remarkable story, uh, really, that, that that both teams made it because they wouldn't have been the two teams that you would have picked necessarily at the start of the year. All is that you know that really the twentieth season of MLS was so much about you know New York City coming into the league, Orlando coming in, the Red Bulls and their big turmoil and change. What would the Galaxy do? Uh, I don't think many people had Columbus and Portland as uh, the two teams who'd be playing the final game of the season, but but they they. 
they thoroughly deserved to be there, and they were two teams that were so enjoyable to watch down down that stretch run, and uh, and for Portland to come from where they did. To, to, to become champions was just remarkable because I, it, it's so easy to forget that, you know, at the end of September and early October, they, they weren't even going to be making the playoffs. They couldn't score a goal. They couldn't win at home. Things, they just looked like a team who were running short on ideas and, and, and inspiration. And then all of a sudden it just shows you the way the sport is constructed in, in this country that you can go on a, you can go on a magical sort of two month run and end up with MLS Cup, and 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 no one can deny that they they deserved it because they played the best football for the final uh, three months of the season, and to see that city and that fan base swept along by what they did was just uh, was just amazing. And uh, I don't think I've been at an MLS Cup where certainly in the era where one team has always you know one one team has always been the host team. I've certainly not been at one where the away fans were such a big part and, and such a big presence. Uh, but, but, but Portland, not, maybe not numerically, but certainly uh, in, in volume-wise, really, uh, really took over that stadium that day and that city and, um, and, and, and almost willed their team to victory. So uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it, was a, it was a remarkable day and a remarkable couple of months in many ways. Adrian, I love what you touched on there as far as the style of these teams and that word team. You you just heard the word team thrown out so much in regards to Columbus and Portland down to every last man, every member of the coaching staff, every fan. It was a a true team effort from, from both of these teams. And then you bring up New York City FC, you bring up the LA Galaxy, you bring up the, the star power and everything that, that MLS seemingly was going for in, in the, the forming of of NYCFC. I should say that, that those individual clubs were going for as well in regards to teams like NYCFC and the LA Galaxy. But what do you think other, other clubs around the league and maybe even the league itself learned from seeing clubs like Portland and Columbus make it all the way to the final and, and seeing clubs like NYCFC not even make the playoffs? Yeah, well, I, I think we're going to start to find out the answer to that question uh, come March because it is fascinating. To me, Nate, it's one of the most fascinating elements about covering MLS because in many of you know, the big European leagues, it's become polarized, doesn't it? The biggest names end up at the biggest clubs that have the big, biggest success. I mean, the biggest names are at Real Madrid and Barcelona. They're at, you know, in England, perhaps the talent is a bit more uh, spread spread a bit further field but in MLS i mean let's face it the top, the top the top 18 earners in MLS um were had played no part in the in the latter stage of the season they were all gone i mean that 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 is amazing when you think about that um you know portland and columbus did not have one player who was amongst the top 18 earners in the entire league um so it just shows you that it's it's you know the way the way the league is constructed where you can only have three designated players. Still, what is going to determine success more than anything is 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 is, is not those top three players. It, it's it's the surrounding cast, it's the supporting cast, and and indeed Columbus and Portland have shown that actually you don't need you don't really need a superstar, um, and it, and 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 that's that's how it should be in our sport. Our sport is not one where where you know. Uh, one one big player can come in and 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 make a difference, and and you know, quite frankly, if that 
did happen in our league, we should be worried. But I think it's a sign of strength in MLS that that that, that Stephen Gerrard can't come in and just kind of sweep all before him and 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 lead LA to glory. Um, so it is going to be your, your question: What happens now? I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, league teams have to look at that and say, "Well, hang on a sec. Is it worth?" You know, is it worth spending seven million on one player? If, if you know, we, I, I think a lot of teams would rather spend a million dollars on seven different players, given given the same given the same amount of money. I think they'd rather do that. But the system isn't set up that way right now. Maybe you know, maybe that's more of the the longer term question: is 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 the is the system itself going to be tweaked? But uh, as it is right now, the teams that do best are the teams that get the most out of you know those uh, those core players four through 14 on your on on your on your overall 20 man squad Adrian, when you talk about tweaking the system a little bit and you, you break down the, the, the budget side of the game, we talk about designated players and so many of the, the bizarre Major League Soccer rules. I have to ask you, as someone who is a, a fantastic play-by-play commentator of this league, do you ever find yourself shying away, perhaps, from the, the quote-unquote political side of Major League Soccer? Do you, do you want your opinions to be known on, on these topics? Well, I don't shy away from it. I tend not to get into it. In the course of a 90-minute game, I, do I want to get bogged down in too much detail about the salary cap and this and that? No, is, is, is the short answer there. I, I, don't, I don't think a game is the place for that. Now, I don't mind talking about it on, on, on forums such as yours or, or other places and, and shows, and I think, I think it's actually a great... It, it, there are so many great talking points in MLS, and in fact, they throw up the, you know, the, the way the league is instructed is, 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 is rich fodder for any discussion and any writer and any broadcaster. But, but um, <laughs> during the course of a game is probably not the point. But the, but there is tons to talk about with this league, and that's that's why you know it it it, it, it deserves almost almost daily coverage to the level that other sports get in this country, and it, it perhaps isn't getting just yet. His name is Adrian Healy. My name is Nate Abarea. You're listening to World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, more of this. Stay tuned. Welcome back in to World Soccer Talk Radio. Pleasure to have you with us. Adrian Healy is our guest, and it's time to talk now about Adrian's pathway, not only into football commentary or soccer commentary, whatever you would like to call it, but his pathway to the States. Adrian, I understand that originally you were a Swindon Town supporter. Paint a little picture of being a Swindon Town supporter. You knew this was going to come up. I just, I just love the way you you pronounce Swindon Town as well. With just that element of mystery and surprise behind it, mate, as well. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've actually, I've actually been to Swindon. I actually spent a decent amount of time in Swindon when I was eight years old. So, so there's a little bit less mystery. <laughs> but, but for those of the folks out there who have never heard of Swindon Town, paint the picture, make it complete, beautiful. Well, like most people, Nate. Who I grew up supporting was was an accident of geography. I grew up in the in the, in the west country of of England, a small town called Marlborough, which is about ten miles away from a much bigger town called Swindon, which has got about a population of about two to three hundred thousand. It's an old railway industrial town in the in the southwest of England, and um, 
wasn't actually the first game I ever. The first first game I ever actually attended was actually Spurs against Manchester City in the old uh, English First Division. As a, as a seven year old, I had an uncle that took me. None of my family were at all into into football. I was, not not quite an archetypal English family I grew up in, but uh, but I had an uncle that took me. He got me into it, and then I went started to go and see my local team. Swindon Town, who uh, at that stage were in the old second division. Um, and then I, I got more and more into them. And this was in the mid to late 70s. They, they fluctuated between the second and the third division. In the 80s, they even went down to the fourth division. Uh, but I stuck with them through, through thick and thin. And then in the, in, the, in the mid-1980s, things started getting better for them. And they had a whole run of relatively for them high profile managers former ex players who had done good things first was the ex Manchester United player Lou Macari and then he was followed by uh, Ozzy Ardiles the the Argentine and then finally Glenn Hoddle and in the period of of, of 7 years from the mid 80s through to the early 90s they went up from the fourth division all the way up to the uh, the the one of the first incarnations of the English Premier League, so they went up and played one season in the Premier League in the in the early nineties. Um, unfortunately, it was I say unfortunately, it was fortunate in many other ways, but that was at exactly the point that I I left the country and uh, <laughs> made America my home. So I know I wasn't even around for Swindon's glory year, year, and it was one year in the uh, in the Premier League. They went straight back down from where they'd come, uh, got relegated, and uh, have never been back since. And since that point, they've kind of fluctuated between second and third division, uh, with the emphasis on third, which is where they uh, currently find themselves marooned. Um, I actually saw them, went, went back over to see them last uh, last May, maybe. They, they were in the playoff final at Wembley for a place to, to, to a chance to get back up to the uh, what's now the championship, of course, and uh, and got absolutely walloped four nil on the day by Preston. So uh, we, we we remain rooted firmly in the uh, in the third division. But I, you know what? I enjoy supporting a, a, a lower division team. Yeah, I never get to see them on TV, but uh, there's still something. Yeah, you know, sort of dear to my heart about about following their fortunes. Still have many friends who go and see them week in, week out, and keep me up to date with what's going on. Um, yeah, I often get asked, you know, if, if I have to name a Premier League team who who you know who's closest to my heart, and because of the ties to them, and because they were the first team I ever saw play, I, I, I always say, well, Spurs is, is the team I would probably look out for their results first. There were so many ties and players who've moved between the two clubs, but uh, they're probably uh, probably the answer I get. But I can't, I can't genuinely say I support them. I support Swin. So there you go. Well, currently, currently in 16th place, yes, in, in, in Football League One. But who knows, late, late season runs, we've been talking all about them already uh, in, in this show. Who knows, sneak up, sneak up into a playoff spot. We, we, we never know down in, uh, in, in those ranks, but right. sitting down. Currently right well, they're, they're already on their third manager this season. <laughs> so, oh my God! So I should I should throw my name in the hat then, right? Yeah. Are you free? Are you free for the next five months? We we, we need. Uh, well, I, I have to finish. <laughs> I have to finish out my Shasta High School season up here. We're we're unbeaten five okay. five and five. So as soon as we as soon as we run the table, knock on wood, and uh, and have a nice little Invincibles year up here in Northern California, I will be available. And hey, Adrian, I know you guys will be covering this on ESPN FC. My managerial stock's going to be quite high. Excellent. Yes, I, I will. Uh, I will make sure that's a, that's, a, that's a topic on a uh, on a uh, on a on a forthcoming show. Yes, man. Make sure, and make sure Craig Burley absolutely destroys me as as he does most most aspiring managers. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, join the club then. <laughs> <laughs> and I do have to actually uh, geographically clarify here. I, I was looking this up moments ago. I actually stayed in a small town called Rotten uh, when I when I was eight years old. I was in Rotten at a at a B and B on a on a bicycling trip uh, down in the in the southwest of England. So cheers to Swindon and cheers to Rotten. That's right. Good stuff back in the 90s. Oh, yes. All right. So, so you talk about that one year that Swindon was in the Premier League, and you say that that's when you actually came to the States. Talk about what originally brought you to America, Adrian. Well, the year was 1992. I, um, my, my sort of uh, fledgling attempt at a broadcasting career in England had only, had only got me so far. Uh, I was working... Um, for a while, for a, for a news agency called Caters, which were in, which is in Birmingham, in England, the second city of England, that's where I had, uh, that's where I'd gone to, to to college, to university. Um, I was working for a Caters news agency, uh, covering what well, their their tagline used to be courts and sports, and of course, I was more interested in the sports side than the court side. <laughs> I used to go to all the uh, used to go to all the Birmingham. Um, Teams of Villa, Birmingham Wolves, and West Brom, and 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 uh, provide radio reports for for visiting teams, and uh, and sometimes written reports too. Uh, that was, but but in my attempts to get even further into broadcasting, and and particularly with with, with football, had been kind of stymied by the fact that there was just zero opportunity at that time. I and mean, we got to remember at that time there were you know games were live games and, and in fact coverage of the game as a whole was 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 uh, remarkably sort of uh, fledgling and it's compared to what it is now i mean it's almost unthinkable how little football was covered even even that you know going back you know not even 30 years i mean it was it was it was uh, you know, there was very few live games on um so the chance to be so why i am now a commentator it seemed it seemed to ridiculously remote at that time, Nate. Um, but I had another string to my broadcasting bow, which was actually being, um, which, which was music. It was, it was being, uh, being a DJ on the radio. And that was, that was kind of what brought me to, I'd, I'll cut a long story short. Basically I ended up in, in the States working, uh, in Boston on, uh, alternative rock radio at a, at a station called WFNX. And, uh, that's, that's, where I was in the in the early nineties, uh, as as soccer kind of started bubbling through into the into the mainstream. I mean, World Cup nineteen ninety four was was a was a big big moment. Actually, to backtrack from that, I remember being in Boston at Gillette Stadium as the U.S. beat England two 0 in in June of nineteen ninety three. I remember seeing Alexi Lalas rise up to score a score a headed goal and doom England to defeat and remember him sliding to his knees celebrating in front of the English bench and that, that felt like a pivotal moment in in the in the development of the game in this country and I was I was just there as a fan to witness it in the stands and then of course the World Cup a year later um was was felt big but you know as all this went on I was at no point, no part of it uh, involved in the broadcasting. I was, I was, I was on the radio at the time in Boston, but you know, and talking about it, but doing a music show. So when the league started in 1996, and and lo and behold, there was a team that was uh, given birth to right on my doorstep, the New England Revolution. I um, that was my that was my cue to actually sort of. 
try and get try to reinstigate that branch of my career. And uh, it took a little while to do it, but by the third season of MLS, I was I was there. Um, I was their play-by-play guy on on the radio. So my background is all in radio. I didn't even do any TV until um, until 2000. Um, so I have the league to thank, uh, and particularly the New England Revolution to thank for uh, for kind of um, reinstigating my my soccer broadcasting career. So I started in soccer, went over to music, and then came back to soccer again. And it was it was a it was a it was an interesting journey, but. Uh, um, that's why I feel like I've, I've, you know, I've kind of been with the league, even though I've only been doing ESPN side of MLS for, for the last five years. I feel like I've kind of been with the league right since, right since, uh, the year dot basically. In fact, I was there for, uh, for the very first game. So, um, so it's been an interesting journey. I'm very interested indeed. Absolutely. And I thoroughly enjoyed that uh, journey through the 90s there, starting in 92 and then going to that rainy day in Foxborough. All of you, all of you hipster U.S. national team fans, you know this game. All of you, maybe, maybe newer U.S. men's national team fans, look this one up on YouTube. I'm giving you guys ample YouTube material today, but rainy day in Foxborough, 1993, USA 2, England nil. And, and I love, I love the story of your, your radio background. And I have to ask you, we have only 30 seconds before we got to head to break here, Adrian. But when you think back to your days at WFNX in Boston, what was your favorite track to play? Oh my God. You're asking me a favorite track. That is uh, probably something from Echo on the Bunnyman. I mean, that was that was my thing. Liverpool bands were my thing growing up. Echo on the Bunnyman, the High School Works, yeah, Julian Cope, all that sort of. A teardrop explodes. Any, anything from that ilk was always my favorite. I used to I used to do a an eighties lunch hour show as well, where I play <laughs> get to play all that sort of stuff. So. Okay, we, we, we've got to find the, the 80s lunch hour with Adrian Healy on WFNX. Somebody get on that right now in the research department. We're back after this on World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay tuned. You're listening to World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Barea, on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Where are you from, mate? Just around. Welcome back into World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. My name is Nate Abareya. Tweet me at NateWST. And if you are looking for an advantage when betting on soccer, I got to let you know about a unique open betting platform called FanBet. With FanBet, you can follow your friends and top ranked bettors to get a wealth of betting tips to help improve your real money bets. Here's how it works FanBet runs a weekly contest called FanPlay Members. Place bets on Premier League games using betting credits, and the game data is analyzed, and the top bettors are ranked according to their success. FanBet allows you to see live picks and betting history of these players, and by following winning bettors, logic implies that you will become more successful. Sign up today for your free account at FanBet.com, and after you log in to your FanBet account, the first thing you'll see is a live stream of picks from winning bettors. Each better ranked based on their average return from their last five bets. Then you can add any pick to the odds tracker, and FanBet will compare leading bookmakers to give you the best available odds for your money. It's as simple as that. Improve your soccer betting returns with fanbet.com. Another huge thank you to fanbet.com for their support of World Soccer Talk Radio. Adrian Healy of ESPN is with us in this edition of the show. I have to ask you before we uh, continue our glorious trip down memory lane here, Adrian, you've been around Tommy Smith off and on at ESPN for quite some time, and I would say Tommy is the epitome 
of a betting man. Have you ever made any bets with Tommy Smith over the years? <laughs> if, if you follow Tommy's tips, then uh, let, let's just say it's not your path to, 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 to riches. I always tease Tommy because <laughs> whenever, whenever, whenever he gives me, uh, oh, it says that this is a surefire, this is a surefire, look at the odds, and it's like, well, hang on a sec, they're, they're, they're 11 to 12 to win this game. And that doesn't win me anything at all. He's, 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 a, he's a classic one for picking uh, you know, Man United to win at home or, 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 or a little, I mean, no, no, the, the, the truthful answer is no. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not a betting man. Um, I, you know what? That's probably not. That's probably not accurate. I, I yeah, I do like a flutter, but I, I actually find find soccer to be almost the most impossible sport to bet on that there is, and, and which is funny. But it, but it is. I mean, you know, think about it statistically, Nate. The, the favorite wins the least amount of times in, in soccer uh, than it does in any other sport, and that's been statistically proven. And, and so it's, and that's what makes it fantastic. It, it just. I, I would never bet on soccer. The only time I've ever, actually, I'll tell you a story. The only time I ever won a bet on soccer was back in the 80s. And I bet on the first, you used to be able to bet on the first goal scorer in a game. I won a bet on the 1988 FA Cup final. I teach another colleague of ours, Steve Nicola, about this regularly because it was the Liverpool Wimbledon final where uh, Laurie Sanchez scored the only goal of the game. Huge upset when, when, uh, when Wimbledon, the crazy gang, the culture club of Liverpool, won nothing in, in 88. And, uh, I bet on Laurie Sanchez to be the, the the first goal scorer in the game. As it was, turns out, he was. He was the only goal scorer in the game, and he was like yeah, thirty three to one or something to to to, to be that goal scorer. So uh, that 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 was it. It was one and done in terms of in terms of betting on betting on soccer. Still got a hundred percent record. <laughs> there you go. He's still, which is more than Tommy. Got... Which is which is way better than Tommy's record. Let me tell you. <laughs> still got the hundred percent record. One for one. Lifetime. One hundred percent. You gotta love it. And shout out to the crazy gang. Can never get enough of them. Even even as a Liverpool supporter myself, I, I still have much love for that 1988 Wimbledon squad. And uh, cheers to Wally Downs, who was such a great guest on our show back uh, last month. And cheers to Stevie Nickel as well. Look forward to uh, to getting Stevie on the show sometime soon. All right, now uh, we, we we continue with the memory lane trip, and and I want to go now to your work. We're, we're gonna. Fast forward a few years. Talk about we, we we got into TV work there in the uh, around the year two thousand at the turn of the millennium. Adrian, when did you first get the chance to work with with the U.S. men's national team? Ooh, well, I I um, I first worked for ESPN in two thousand and three, but for many years, uh, certainly certainly a good few years, I was on the. I'm not sure. If, you or, 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 or listeners are aware of ESPN. There's this whole other area of ESPN called ESPN International, where um, oh, we ESPN remember it, up. remember it quite well, indeed. The Champions League we, well, coverage still, was outstanding. Still, yeah, it's still a, still very much a going concern. It's it, uh, you know, it's ESPN basically to, to, to other parts of the world where they want to see a lot more soccer. We broadcast a lot more soccer, so that for many years was my was my bread and butter at, at ESPN. Um, which didn't, of course, really afford me the opportunity to work with the U.S. national team. I'll tell you exactly. My first ever U.S. national team game was uh, in 2009, uh, U.S. against Costa Rica in the, what was the final World Cup qualifier before South Africa in 2010. And it was, uh, it was a memorable game. It was a 2-2 draw against Costa Rica, more memorable for it being the fact that that was the game before which Charlie Davis was at his... Uh, 
his unfortunate car accident, of course, and that was obviously the, the, the big story surrounding that game. The U.S. had actually already qualified, so they didn't need anything out of the end. The Costa Rica hadn't, but but um, U.S.'s late equalizer in that game in the 95th minute, Jonathan Bornstein actually deprived them of a place in the in the in the in the World Cup the next year. So that was my uh, that was my first chance to do the national team. You know, it's unbelievable that that was actually the first time. I didn't know that because I, I, I teased this in the opening and I said this was one of the main matches I wanted to talk with you about because it's one it's one of my favorites of, of all time. It was footballing theater at its finest. And a lot of people forget that that's how Honduras qualified for the World Cup that year was with Jonathan Bornstein getting that equalizer against Costa Rica, who then went into the playoffs and, and actually had to play against the South American, uh, I believe it was the fifth team, which was actually Uruguay, led by Diego Forlan and Luis Suarez, who, who ended up defeating uh, Costa Rica, and then Uruguay almost going on to, to win the World Cup in, in South Africa less than a year later. But that night, it was October the 14th, 2009. It's one of my all-time favorite matches, and it was you and I believe John Harks was uh, beside you for that game, but, but there was so much so much emotion involved, and as, as you rightly say, a lot of it stemmed from, from the Charlie Davies car accident, the showing from the, the U.S. fans there at RFK with the tribute uh, in the ninth minute with everyone holding up the, the number nine and, and the smoke and the flames and everything that, that went with it that night. But is that a game? Because I'm, I'm, I'm a U.S. fan and, and someone who has this crazy photographic memory. Is that a game for you that you think back to quite a bit? Because it's definitely one that I've, I've watched on YouTube and heard your call, I'd say, at least 100 times or so. Wow. I, it's funny. I do. I mean, it, it's it's every time I'm back at RFK, I, I think of that game. Uh, it, it, it was uh, and not just because it was my my sort of first um, U.S. national team game, but just just as you've so eloquently put it, everything surrounding that game. It was it was there was uh, there were so many storylines. It was such a, an emotional night in in, in many ways. Um, and as you say, it's easy to forget that actually the U.S. It seems bizarre now thinking back that it seemed like there was so much on the line, but actually the U.S. had already qualified, and 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 it was actually Costa Rica whose sort of fate was dangling by a thread, and uh, yeah, and then to see him have it, and then to see it taken away by Jonathan Bornstein, who I think, if I'm right, was was given the same treatment in Honduras as, uh, as Graham Zussi then was four years later in, in Mexico. He, he was given, given, virtually given a sainthood by, by the country <laughs> for uh, help, helping them quality. I, I think Bornstein can dine out for that on, in, for, for life in, uh, in, in Honduras, that, that late-headed equalizer. So, yeah, I do think about it quite, quite a bit, actually, that game. I have to ask you, Adrian, have you ever heard the uh, Honduran radio call of the, the uh, Spanish language Honduran radio play-by-play call of, of Bornstein's goal in the 95th minute? You know what? I think I have, and I can't, I can't. I can't be 100 percent certain. I think it's one of those things that I have actually stumbled across. Um, but I can I can just imagine. I don't know if you can you can approximate it for me. <laughs> uh, here, here, I'll, I'll do my best. Jonathan Bornstein, Jonathan Bornstein, Jonathan Bornstein. It, it wasn't quite as good as Christian Martinoli's when uh, when Zussi got the goal uh, against Panama in 2013 that uh, that saved Mexico's asses and the the great Christian Martinoli right. call from uh, from TV Azteca. The the God bless America. You 
have saved us. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, go USA. But it, it was, it was right up there. And, and what, what about that? I mean, that, that is such a funny little side note of this. Cause I love that you, you basically compare Bornstein in Honduras to Zussi in Mexico. I mean, who are, who are the USA going to save next in, in 2017? Are we going to, are we going to rescue Panama this time? Right. Well, let's hope, let's hope it is that. And rather than, rather than, you know, Giovanni Dos Santos rescuing the U.S. We don't want, we don't want the shoe to be on the, <laughs> the other foot, do we? But, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, we're working our way through Central America. It's, it's got to be, uh, got to be Costa Rica or Panama's turn next, isn't it? <laughs> Without a doubt. Now, hey, you came here in, in the early 90s. You talk about 1992 and then those, those great years of, of 93 and 94. So that's over 20 years here, here in the States, Adrian. So you are, you are very much a, an, an English American. Do you, do you feel any, any sort of more allegiance to one side of the Atlantic or another in this day and age, considering how much you've been a part of, of the growth of soccer here in America? I mean, put it this way. America is my home. America is my life. I mean, I've spent most of my adult life here. Um, so very much I feel, uh, I feel a very strong allegiance. I'm, I'm very, you know, if it's the U.S. against anyone, I'm, I'm for the U.S. If it's the U.S. against England, well, I, I've still got to go with England. You know, it's still, you know, I mean, and that's only happened once <laughs> where, where it's really mattered in, in, in South Africa. Luckily, I was doing a different game that day, so I didn't have to uh, sort of uh, you know, commentate it. So, um, but that's the only, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, in my, my life is amazing. I, I, yeah, I've been a citizen since uh, since 2000. I still have a, my UK passport, but I'm, I'm very much a citizen of of both countries. And um, you know, I like to think that uh, I, I, I like to feel a that I'm very fortunate to be able to sort of take what I consider the, the best bits of both countries and and sort of uh, make make a life out of that. So um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting one, but it but it's uh, but um, you know, I'm very very happy the way it's way it's all turned out a few a few months back uh we we had we were lucky enough to have martin tyler on the show and i loved uh martin martin said his dream call he just hopes that someday before he's done on the microphone he gets to say the words and england has won the world cup that is his dream call (laughs) and i have asked this to to many we've had so many fantastic broadcasters and and play-by-play commentators on the show and so i have to i have to throw it to you now adrian your dream call in, in, you know, 60 or 70 years when you're finally done, uh, finally done broadcasting, what's that one call that you hope to be able to make? That is, a, that is, a, that is an amazing question because, you know, um, with, with, with MLS as my main focus, as it has been for the last five years or so, my, 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 my kind of dreams are, are involved, you know, what happens with, you know, with MLS teams playing against other, other great, you know, I'd love to see some sort of, I mean, the thing is the competition doesn't, exist. I guess the answer is the competition doesn't exist where my dream call would, would, would uh, play a part at the moment, but say it was the, the FIFA club world cup or, or some, some sort of logical extension of that. So it's a, it's a massive extension of that where, where it became like a once every four years, a club team version of what is now the, the world cup. And, and say we had, uh, you know, Seattle playing against, uh, Real Madrid. So it's all, it's all very sort of fanciful and, and imaginary, but that, that would be kind of the, uh, the, the dream scenario for me where, where, you know, a club from our, 
from our league is is playing in a, in a club World Cup final, and they're playing one of the one of the all time all time greats. And I'm there to call the final, and, and Seattle win it in the 90th minute with a with a diving header from whoever the equivalent of Clint Dempsey would be in 15, 20 years when when this would happen. So, so I yeah you know, I can't give you the exact call, but that would that that would be my kind of my kind of uh, dream scenario for uh, for a uh, for this in this country well i can't help but appreciate the the love for the league and it's something that you've been a part of for for quite a long time now going back to your radio days over there uh and in foxborough with the new england revolution it's been great having you on the show adrian look forward to doing it again sometime and before we let you go uh i, I forgot to mention you are the 235th best poker player uh, in the state of Connecticut. I learned that uh, from, from your Twitter profile. How can folks get a hold of you uh, on, on Twitter, sir? Very simple. At Adrian Healy, all one word, with, with the E. So many, so many times the Adrian gets, uh, rather the Healy gets spelled without the E, but it's Adrian Healy, H-E-A-L-E-Y, at Adrian Healy. It's uh, where I'm at on Twitter. Love, love to hear from you. And thanks ever so much for having me on, mate. Real, real pleasure. Absolutely. Hope we can do it again sometime, mate. Will do. Again, that was Adrian Healy. We're back after this on World Soccer Talk Radio, Sports Byline Broadcasting Network, taking the express train home. Stay tuned. Another big thank you to Adrian Healy of ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports. That was a great pleasure having Adrian on and love taking that trip back all the way to the early 90s and Adrian's American radio roots with WFNX. That's right. Alternative rock radio in the early 90s in New England. The 80s lunch hour. I cannot wait to find tapes of Adrian hosting the 80s lunch hour. We have got to find those. You out there in the internet world, in the in the universe of the interwebs, get out there and find me old tapes of Adrian Healy on WFNX Boston in the early 90s. I know so many of you have been just chomping at the bit, waiting for the updates on the score from the Shasta Wolves West Valley Eagles Monday night match last night at Thompson Field up here in the wilds of Northern California. Well, wait no more as we go to BBC Radio for the final score of that match. Shasta 3, West Valley nil. That's right, baby. 3 nil to the Purple Lobos. We've done it again. Five wins in five matches. 5-0-0. Oh, we play a short season, 12 matches, but we win on Wednesday and we are halfway to that word that it, it goes something like, how do you say that word? Perfect? Don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Knock on wood. Nobody jinx it, including myself. Nobody curse anything here, but 5-0-0. Start of something special. Come on, you wolves. Shout out to Elijah Aston. Shout out to Nick Barnett. Shout out to my keeper with his third clean sheet of the year, Chase Sherman. Love you, boys. Can't wait to see you at practice and get at it again on the pitch on Wednesday against Red Bluff. Shasta Wolfpack signing off. My name's Nate Abarea. Love you. Talk to you tomorrow. Mwah. Bye. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.